I'm going to start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others, especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, help us to carry your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, we're going through the book, and we... Uh, just finished the How It Works preamble that I call at pages 60, 58 to 60. And that, uh, I think we spent three or four talks on that. And now, and I covered the ABCs uh, on uh, last meeting, but I'll just read them. I'm an alcoholic and can't manage my own life. No human parent can relieve my alcoholism. Now, I'm an alcoholic and cannot manage my life. That's still true today. Is that true for everybody? I, no human power can relieve my alcoholism today. And God can and will if I seek him. So now we're going to look at the step three instructions. They spent a lot of time getting to page 60 for us to understand those three things. And now they're going to actually tell us what's really wrong with us. They talked to us about our inability to take a drink and control how much we drink. Anybody have that? Same with heroin or any drug, anything. Um, did anybody ever take more than one aspirin because two works better than one? Any alcoholics here? Uh, yeah, three. We have three aspirin people here. Whole bottle. Yeah, there you go. Grind it up and shoot it up. All right. And no human power can relieve my alcoholism today, right? So I have no power not to drink today. That's true for me. But I can choose the power that gives me the power not to drink. I have no power of choice over alcohol, ever. But I have the power to choose to seek God today, and he gives me the power. It's a very important thing for me to remember. The first time I heard it, you know, I'm slow, I didn't quite understand it. So I had to pause and listen again. And I think it was Mark uh, Houston, who I think now has passed away, who uh, said that, and it is really brilliant. And God can and will if he saw. So it says being convinced. So you really can't move on further in the steps till uh, you're convinced, and then I got off track. Uh, so we know about the physical allergy and the obsession of the mind, but our real problem is that I'm running my life. I'm living a life run on self-will, an extreme example of that, and when I do that, I will always be irritable, restless, or discontented, something. Now, I may have a good day and not get bothered too much, but, and then when I get irritable, restless, or discontented at something, my mind says, alcohol will fix that. Alcohol will treat my emotions that are the result of living a life run on self-will. And so it's the emotions of living on running on self-will that are killing me because I seek a solution to that that's not good, alcohol. Now, we may still have emotions when we're running our life run on self-will, but we're going to start now to learn how to see what they are see what they're the result of, and see a different solution rather than alcohol, such as God. 
Now, if you have a better solution than they have in this book, that's fine. But I don't. I don't know of any. And so we're going to follow it line by line. If you do everything from page 60 to page 88 and you keep doing it the rest of your life, you'll never drink again. Because you'll have a relationship with, with God. You'll be in the world of the Spirit. And you'll be close enough to him that he'll say, you don't want to drink today, Michael. It's not a good idea. Now, if you stop doing everything, you could be sober a long time, but if you stop doing everything in these pages and you start living on your own, then hello, at certain times, I may decide I need a drink. I don't think it'll be today, but I'm not sure, but I prayed today and I listened to scripture. And uh, I've already made my peace with God over the Chiefs game, that if they lose, I already have the plan for the evening. I told my wife what we're gonna, what I'll be doing to deal with it. Now it sounds crazy, but I am an alcoholic. And, and the other thing about like, if you're a fan, like, is that you think when your team loses that the whole world is looking at you and that they're seeing that you're a loser too. Does anybody ever thought that? I'm the only one, I'm really sick. But you see, <laughs> we think we're so important that it's all about us. Now, my wife reminded me, I don't think we'll ever get to step three today. My wife reminded me today that the Chiefs are not gonna have a team meeting today at 10 and discuss how they're gonna ruin Michael Hurwitz's day. You get it? They're not meeting and discussing, now let's be sure we screw up in the fourth quarter. So we, you see, that's how alcoholics think though. I guess I'm the sick, only sick one still here. Nobody else is laughing, but it is the way we, it's the way we see the world. And so I don't want to do that anymore. Let's just all enjoy the day because it's a gift. So being convinced I'm at step three, which is that I decided to turn my will and my life over to God as we understood him. Now I, I haven't, I heard, used to hear a lot, I'm sure it's still said, I took it, turned it over and took it back, and turned it over and took it back, and all that. And people mean well when they say it, but that's not what we're doing in step three. In step three, we're making a decision to do that, because we've never done it. And were you gonna decide to do that? Because I'm powerless over alcohol, I can't manage my own life. No human power can relieve me of this, and God can and will if he saw it. So I'm going to make a decision now that I'm going to turn my will, which is my thinking, and my life, over, of, which is my actions, over to God. Just what do we mean by that? Just what do we do? So they're going to tell you what they mean by that, and just what do we do? And then step four is really not complicated. It's not confessing your sins and beating yourself with a whip. It's looking at the things in you the manifestations of self-will that caused you to be separated from this power and have negative emotions and do harmful actions and drink. And if you don't change your personality, you're gonna, you're, nothing's gonna change. So they're getting ready for me to change my personality from being Michael-driven to God-driven. Now that is not easy to do. Bill W. on page 14, or I think it's 14, might be 15, I'm getting old. He said this program is simple but not easy. A price has to be paid. The destruction of self-centeredness 
It has to be destroyed, and it has to be destroyed all the time. And if we don't destroy it, then we're back in self and nothing changes. So we're learning how to treat a significantly serious personality disorder. It's killing me. Alcohol is not my problem. My problem is me and my self-centeredness. I have a personality disorder which, where I'm the center of the world. So I was joking around about the chiefs and all that, but the point of that was we think we're the center of the world and everything revolves around us and how we see things. If we don't like how we see things, it's like, oh, look what they did. They ruined my day. Oh, my God. It's nonsense. And we want to say, all, we, all my job today to do is serve God and be close to him and love him and his children. Now, to go from self-centered to God-centered is not easy. You can wish to do that. That won't help. You can wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to do it. It won't help. It's the process of breaking down the things that are blocking you all the time and allowing God to work. Now, the people who wrote this book were Christians. They were, they were justified. They had faith. They had righteousness through uh, Christ. And if you don't believe all that, just ignore this. But they still lived a self-centered life. And the Oxford group was seeking to learn how to live a more Christ-centered life. And that's what the steps are designed to do to break down my self-centeredness and allow the spirit to work. Now, on page 84, they say we've entered the world of the spirit. They didn't say Holy Spirit because people would throw the book away. But they're talking about the world of God, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, where you have a power now. And then how are you going to allow that power to work and you're not going to be the power anymore? It's not easy, especially when you're new. And, 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 and it's... It's a something, and Brian talks about this all the time, and I'm sure he'll share afterwards. We have to do it all the time, every day. It says, when you wake up, you, you make your plans for the day. Sounds good? They say, no, bad idea, Michael. Your plans are not important. You ask God to direct your thinking, divorcing it. Divorce, you've heard of that. From selfish, dishonest, self-seeking motives. My motives need to be God-centered. God direct my thinking today. Then you can think of your plans with God at the center. You see how it is? Constant. What, what must we carry into all our activities? It doesn't say maybe you want to do this. It says what must you carry into all your daily activities? A vision of God's will for you. You must carry it. I don't want a vision of my will for me in my activities. I want a vision of God's will for you. If you don't know what the vision of God's will for you, and it sounds really complicated, look at the St. Francis prayer. It's pretty simple. And we want to be God's character. Now I talk about love, patience, kindness, tolerance, consider it compassionate. I, I think that's a good goal. That's how God wants me to be. And then my motives are not self-centered. So I have to fight myself all the time. Oh, Michael, there you go again. You're back in the fear. You're writing the show. It's ridiculous. So it says we decide to do this. Just what do we mean and just what do we do? Well, what do you do the rest of the steps? They, they left that out. I'll put that in the new book when I write it. The first requirement. So this is the first requirement of what do they mean and what do you do? 
is that you're convinced that my life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Now, this is true for the whole world. That's why everybody should work the steps. Go to the news, look at the world. It's all self-centered people in conflict with each other. I'm right and you're wrong. Sound familiar? Conflict with everybody and everything. That's the world. Now, we don't want to live that way because we'll drink. Plus, I want to have some peace in my life. Anybody want to have peace and serenity and be of usefulness to others? So it says, when I'm in a, in a life run on self-will, and we have that, if you can go to the site, if you're listening to the podcast, experiencethebigbook.org, go to the menu and look at resources on recovery, and you'll see uh, uh, PDFs. There's a PDF on what makes up self-will. And we'll talk about that when we do step four. Self-will is where we have three instincts of life. The social instinct, the material instinct, and the sex instinct. We all have them, but we wouldn't survive the mastodons. We had to live together in in, in a group. We had to survive together. We needed uh, structure. We needed food. And then we had to have sex, so we had more people. They're normal instincts, God-given. Now we decide, and I don't know when I did that, that if I, I had to determine how my instincts should be fixed and satisfied, not God. So I decided what I needed for social instinct, companionship, ambition, social relationships. I decided what I need materially, you know, what I needed to eat and have and a house, a job and all that, and ambition and how people would approve of me. And then uh, I had to decide what I needed in my sex instinct, and it's not really the sex act, but it's relationships. How I needed approval, and I used people, and all that. It was pretty ugly. And so that's what happens when you do self-will. Now, when you live a life on self-will, three things happen automatically. So see if any of you ever had this. One, you get angry. You get resentment, which is wrong judgment because I'm seeing the world wrong because I'm in the center of my life. I get wrong belief, which is fear. And then I make harmful actions. So I have three wrongs and that's what we inventory at step four. That's because I'm in the center of the world, satisfying these instincts. Now, what we're gonna learn in AA is that when I'm in the center of the world, these things are coming up. I gotta fire myself and put God there. And that vision of God's will for me is not how I'm going to satisfy my instincts the way I want today. It's, it's he's in charge. He'll give me everything I, I need. We're going to read that in the next page or two. And all I have to do is stay close to him and do his work. And so I have to fire myself all the time. Because when I'm running the world and satisfying on self-will, it's never going to work. And I didn't know that till I came here. In fact, I didn't really know that. And I came here for a while and I was sober till I listened to Joe and Charlie. I said, wow, there's a book. And look what's in it. I we had, I'd read it. We actually had a meeting where we studied the book, but we just read it. None of us understood. It's a spiritual book. It has a certain, uh, it has to be studied. And so it says the first requirement that I be convinced 
that any life run on self will can hardly be a success. Now, they're not sure that you are, so they're going to describe what it looks like. When I, on that basis, when I'm running the world, I'm almost always, you could probably take almost out, always in collision with something or somebody. You ever notice that at work, job? You look back at your life, there's always somebody who bothers you, somebody you were getting along with. And even though my motives were good, now, that's never true. My motives were always to get what I wanted. Now, I thought they were good. Did anybody else think their motives were good? They were great. They were my motives. And didn't they understand me? Why weren't they doing what I wanted? Well, my motives were good because they were self-will. Back in self. You get it? You see how it all ties together? So when I'm in self-will, I'm going to be in conflict with somebody or something. Now, if you do the work in the steps, you get to page 84. And it says you've entered the world of spirit. You're in step 10. And guess what happens? It says we're not in conflict with everybody and everything. And we recoil from alcohols from a hot flame. And this has just happened to us. It's been given to us by God. Wow. Anybody want that? Well, good. Uh, go, do everything in 63 to 84. And then if you want to stay that way, do everything in 84 to 88 on how you live every day. How you pray, how you meditate, how you inventory, how you live one day at a time, all day long with God. Pretty simple. Four pages, they put how you can live in peace with God. Now, to get there, you have to have certain tools that you learn from page 60 to 84. I'm like a broken record. It says, many people try to live by self-propulsion. They try to. They don't say it's a good idea. And self-propulsion, my own power. Now, here's something I read for a while I didn't understand. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show. Sounds good. Is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players, and I put the whole world in his own way. So when I woke up every morning, I could pray to God and meditate and sing, chant and do whatever. But I got in the car and then I'm running the show. And I'm figuring out how to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, the rest of the players in my own way. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Now, I didn't realize for a long time that there's a problem with that. Now, if you watch Netflix, which I do, at the end of the ep season and the episodes, there's always directed by. It's not directed by the actor. Now, it sounds silly, but I didn't understand that. I bet I read this, these pages f 10 times. It didn't see anything wrong with it. I mean, sure, if my arrangements would only stay put, notice my arrangements would only stay put, and here's a great one, if only people would do as I wish, the show would be great. Now, I wrote for who? Who would it be great for? It never worked. Now, I'm always trying to arrange, I'm trying sometimes to help my wife with her life, you understand that, and making suggestions or maybe she'd want to do something because I'm sure it would work and make her life better. And then whenever I do that, I get the look. You know, like, please, leave me alone. I'm over 60, I can manage my own life, you get it? it people don't appreciate it. 
Now, my motives were good because I wanted her to be happy so that maybe my life would be better if she's happier. But all I did was upset her. So I have to fight. I don't do it much anymore. But I have to fight myself making a suggestion. For instance, she'll say, I'm not going to play Mahjong today. And I want to say, well, you should play Mahjong. It'll get you out of the house. You'll enjoy it. But then I have to stop and say, well, she's not playing. Keep your mouth shut, Michael. I know I'm going on, it may sound stupid, but there's a little things. I'm not the director of her life. Now, if you're in a relationship, you might want to write down on your hand, I'm not the director of my wife's or husband's life. <laughs> and I get, and you know what? When I don't direct, our relationship's better. And in fact, you will read in Acceptance is the Answer, he talks about when he stopped trying to run his wife's life, his wife's life she actually was getting better. <laughs> she was a better person. She was nicer. Her character defects were less. Is that a son of a bitch? Excuse me. Oh, sorry. But, you know, the less, if the show would be great. That's nonsense. Here's a great one. Everybody, including myself, would be pleased. The more I tried at work to rearrange the office and make everybody do their job, the, the worse it got. And they'd say, doctor, we've got this. We can handle this. We can do this. They talked to me like a three-year-old. You know, we could do it. We could do it. And I'd say, okay, good. And life would be wonderful. You see, we can't help ourselves. We're not bad. But we have to realize we don't want to do that anymore. Life would be wonderful. Now I wrote, for how long? You see, I kept wanting to arrange the world so that it would be, I would be okay. And it would work for maybe a day or a week or an hour, but it never lasted all the time. You know how I knew that? When I look back on my life, I always had this little restlessness, this little fear. It was like, it was like a, I couldn't even figure it out. I'd be uneasy. Anybody have that? Never quite easy. Now, here's how we try to get that done. In trying to make the arrangements, it says, notice the actor. Doesn't say the director, I may try to be virtuous. That's good, isn't it? I may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. Now, Joe and Charlie says, it sounds good, but I'm still trying to get my way. These are the character, the character of me trying to make the arrangements. So I'll, I'll, it'll be okay. Now, if that doesn't work, screw them. I get mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, he's more likely to have varied traits, but I'm always self-seeking in my behavior. Joe and Charlie made the point. I thought about it when I heard it. They say, we never did anything for somebody else that we didn't want something out of it except by mistake. Think about it. You do something good for somebody. You want to tell everybody. You want everybody to know. So you look good. And so uh, that made a lot of sense. I mean, it wasn't good to hear, but I thought about it. And remember, we're not bad people. We have the wrong director. Self-will makes me look bad to other people and do bad things. But it's not, I don't have to be that way. That's not the way God made me. So it says, what usually happens? 
The show doesn't come off very well. Did anybody say that? See that? Now, when you come here, you know, I ask people what their plan is or this and that, and they'll tell me something. And what we really should say, you know, your show is, it hasn't come off very well. You're the actor trying to arrange the show. We don't really care about your plans anymore. You need to nix them. That's why they say get a sponsor, listen to somebody, call somebody, take directions. Because the problem with my life was I was always following my directions and what I thought. Now, if you keep doing that and you don't change, your mind's gonna tell you, you know, you've tried so hard, these people don't care, they don't understand you, blah, 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 I've been sober 60 days, I, I should get a drink, I deserve it. And I can quit any time. You see how simple it is? And so if we still live on self-will, we won't stay sober very long, especially if you're new. And you don't have to be perfect, but you have to have the desire not to do it and find somebody to, to, to connect with who'll kind of keep you on track, you talk to all the time. And it can be more than one person. So what usually happens, the show doesn't come off very well. So guess what I, I do? I start to think, which is very dangerous. So when the actor's thinking, that's a bad place. Remember, we have a desire to stop thinking because thinking is killing me. So I think, and what do I think? Life doesn't treat me right. Did anybody ever do that? I mean, it's automatic. Oh, poor me, look what I did. Oh, there. But we don't see how we caused all this craziness. He, so what do I do? I decide to try harder. I'm gonna exert myself more over them. I'm gonna be the actor arranging the ballet scenery at play harder. I'm gonna give them better instructions. <laughs> so then I become on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as the case may be, whatever it is to get my way. It's very sad, but this was the story of my life. I wasn't a bad person. I did a lot of good things. I achieved a lot, but I, I was self-will. I made a lot of bad decisions. I harmed myself and others. Still, the play does not suit him. I was thinking of something that I did. That, you want me to tell you? Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. It's typical alcoholic. I'm 27. I'm in charge of the ER at the University of Chicago. I'm at night. I decide who gets admitted, who doesn't, blah, blah, blah. And then I wanted to get the patients moving so that everybody would think I was great. You know, I got the turnover. And, and you didn't want to admit too many because then they would give you, tell you you were too easy, you just let everybody in the hospital because nobody wanted to work all night. You get the picture. And so the lab was never fast enough. So it's three in the morning, I'm waiting for the lab so I could send this patient home, two or three of them. So I called the lab, they're busy. I decided I would call the head of the lab for the University of Chicago and I would wake him up, and I would tell him how bad they were doing in his lab. Now, I must admit it made complete sense to me at the time. I woke this guy up, and who knows what he said, and this and that, but the chief of medicine was not happy with me. At nine o'clock in the morning, I got a call to come in, and he reamed my butt. 
And I was sitting there saying, gee, is he ever going to stop? And I still thought my motives were kind of good. You get it? And now when I look back, I realize what an a-hole I was. See, it was so obnoxious. These people in the lab were doing the best they could. Maybe somebody was sick. And you know what? I'm a little impatient and a little intolerant. Any of you like that? Now, this was when I was 27. I didn't know I had untreated alcoholism yet. And so, but I remember that. It came to me this week. I hadn't thought of that for a while. And so uh, I wasn't a bad person, but I was running the show. It's a good example, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. God, it was a mess. Still, the play does not suit him. Now, here's what we do. I love this. Admitting I might be somewhat at fault. He is sure the other people are more to blame. Not just that they're to blame, they're more to blame. You know, these people, you know, maybe I was a little bit at fault, but if they'd done the lab faster, then I wouldn't have had to do it. You get it? Oh boy, what a mess. I'm glad I don't live like that anymore. So what do I do? I become more angry, indignant, self-pitying. You see how it works? And then we drink. So you might as well put, becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying, drink. Now, I don't want to live that way anymore. Now, guess what? They're going to tell me right now what my basic trouble is. So when you come in here, this is your basic trouble, and it can still be your basic trouble after 10 or 20 years in AA. If you're not letting God run your life, what is my one? So I put a one here. Am I not really a self-seeker? even when trying to be kind. You get it? I'm always seeking for me. Two, this is the one, this is the thing that killed me. I didn't even know this till I read this. I was a victim. That means I was a victim. I was getting shot by this delusion. A delusion is something in your mind that you believe that's not true. You make it up. And here was my delusion. I think this started maybe when I was five or six maybe even earlier, that I could wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if I only managed well. Do you see that? This was, that I would get approval. I would get, mom would love me. She would tell me I was a great kid, grandma, whatever, the world, CNN. I'd be on CNN, everybody would say, Michael's great. If I could just manage well. And I remember it started early. I, if I could just get good grade, you know, if I could just do this. And, and then I decided I would become a doctor because then the world would be okay. I'd be okay. People would look at me and say, he's a doctor. He's okay. Now it worked out. I think I was a good doctor, but I wanted approval. And we were poor. We didn't have any money. And if you live in a Jewish community in Baltimore, if you became a doctor, you became someone. So if I could just manage well, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't get into medical school. And I, you know, when I graduated from God, I don't know. I would have felt like such a failure, such a loser my whole life. I probably might have gotten over it, but who knows? You see how we were? I could have done other things. I had a good mind. I, I should have gone into computers in 1972. I was a math major. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have any worries today. You get it? Uh, I was a victim of the delusion 
that I could wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well. Now, I'm, I'm going off the, the deep end today, and I'll end soon. But when I was a kid, the big thing was the doctor shows, Dr. Kildare and Ben Casey, and everybody loved them. And my mother loved them. And I said, oh, if I become a doctor, you know, I'll get approval. It, it was sad, wasn't it? It wasn't enough just being, I was a good kid. You see, just being me wasn't enough. I had to manage the world well. Now, I'll, I'll just end with this. Two, three other things. Is it not evident to the rest of the players that these are the things I want? So that was the trouble, was that it was obvious to everybody that I wanted for me. And do not my actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? So when we're in relationships with others, our self-seeking, trying to manage them, they retaliate, trying to get what they can. And then we get upset at them. And this is what happens when you look at your resentments. These are all people who retaliated some way against our behavior. And am I not in the best moments of producer confusion rather than harmony? And what that means is that people didn't know how to deal with me. I would either be gracious and nice, or I'd be demanding and unpleasant in it. You know, there you go. Well, I talked, uh, I talked enough on that. But these two pages are so important because this is this is what's wrong with me. And then they're going to talk on the next page even more about my selfishness and self-centeredness, what's the root of my own trouble. And they're going to tell me, and this is a key thing. Think about this that I made decisions based on my self-will that caused me to be put in a position to be harmed or harm others, you get it? When I called the guy, I made the decision based on self-will. Nobody else did, you see? All right, we'll start with that. We'll pick up on um, Wednesday on page 61. Thank you very much.